It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everybody, to America's Game, episode number 39. I am your host, Eric Vanek, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man? Yeah, episode 39-y. Uh, three-fourths of the way there for uh, a year of episodes, which, uh, as I always say, we haven't missed one. I've only missed one out of 39 now. You've never missed one. And we're going to have a, uh, a fun discussion today, a couple different topics, 90 minutes or so, and we're going to hold each other to that so we do not end up going for two and a half hours like the last few episodes. Uh, but glad to be here. Looking forward to the draft. We're getting to like that point where there's not much more to talk to other talk about other than just follow stuff that's going on on Twitter and debating the, the same players over and over and over and over and doing mock drafts for the 45th time. But uh, should be a fun episode. Yeah, and we got a special guest with us this week. Um, he's been with the DD team for a while, but he just got back into the podcasting game. Um, you've probably heard it on Tuesdays. It's the Who's Next podcast, and it's uh, our analytics guy here at Destination Devi, Jordan Backus. Jordan, what's going on, man? Yeah, I don't know if I can keep up with some of your marathon episodes, but might need some caffeine about halfway through, but I'll figure it out. So, you know, we bringing you on for this one you know obviously we're getting close to the draft here and i know you've been putting out if you're a part of the uh the discord you get jb's analytic grades i believe it's just for certain tiers i forget which tiers they are off the top of my head but you get jb's analytic grades which are phenomenal if you are thinking about joining uh the discord this is one of the reasons to join you get jb's analytic grades is all the stats that come with it everything you could ever want analytically wise JB's got it for you guys. So, you know, if you want to join the Discord, join Destination Debbie. That's one of the big reasons to join it. And then today, we just want to kind of look at, you know, some of these guys that you like at each position for this upcoming uh, rookie class. So, you know, quarterback-wise, running back-wise, receivers, tight ends, whatever, and just kind of look over some of these guys. So, you know, any position you want to start with first that you want to highlight? Let, let's go backwards. Let's start with tight ends. I, I really like okay. this class, so let, let's start there. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. I, I love this tight end class as well. So um, so I'm looking at them right now, and right now you got 
Sam Laporta, Zach Kuntz, Tucker Kraft, Michael Mayer, and Darnell Washington as your top five. So that's a pretty solid top five. I think some people would be a little bit surprised that, you know, uh, that's basically probably not flip-flop with Meyer and Washington more towards the top. Laporta, Kuntz, and Kraft, you know, probably three, four, five. But I, I think I agree with you on some of these. Like Laporta and Kuntz, they tested both really, really well. And I think they both got a really good future coming up here. I think Mayer and Washington, they're both, you know, not even 22 yet. So that gives them a little bit of a bonus just for being younger guys. I'm interested to see, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of talk about them being first round picks. So we'll see how many of these tight ends actually do end up getting first round picks. But yeah, what do you want to highlight from these tight ends? Yeah. So right now with the post combine model that I have, the grades, um, it, it it's okay. It, it's not obviously as good as pre combine, um, but definitely not as good as it will be refined with that final draft capital. So my model it, it essentially a weighted average, and for tight ends, the two biggest inputs are draft capital and speed score. So that's why you what that's why you're seeing guys like Sam Laporta, Zach Kuntz, Mayer, Washington really high up because of their one ten. Um, a for Kuntz, for example, one twenty three speed score. So all these guys are just freak athletes. And I know Scott is huge on the Raz, which I totally agree with. It just happened that um, speed score was a little more, a little bit more correlated than Raz. So that's why I stuck with that. But Sam Laporta, he's, he's been a guy I kind of had my eye on for the past couple of years. Obviously, Iowa's had very good pedigree with tight ends there. But he's pretty solid across the board. I mean, the, the athletic testing was a plus on top of all of his production metrics. 2.18 best season yards per route run is awesome. Something I love in tight ends is yards after catch per reception and Laporta's 5.6 yards puts him in the top bucket there. So he is pretty good across the board. Another one that I really like to see is average reception share. So obviously that's over the entire career of, of that player, the reception share, how often does his team go to him? And once again, Laporta's right at the top there with a 19.8 average reception share for his four years at Iowa. So it's really no surprise to me at the top, but he's not a tight end that a lot of guys are really talking about right now. JB, I wanted to ask you, because um, I haven't done the research, so I'm curious on your thoughts, just how correlated college production is to NFL tight end success, similar to what we look at for wide receivers, which, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that have done that uh, type of analytical research to say, you know, this is what you're looking for from a production standpoint. We've been doing that for years, not not we, because it's not necessarily something that I do, but I've seen that for a long time. I really haven't seen it used as much in terms of talking about tight ends. And then I just wonder your thoughts on, you know, there are some tight ends in the NFL that didn't produce in college, but they end up producing at least to a certain extent in the NFL and then vice versa. There are tight ends that I've liked that are athletic and produced in college, but something just doesn't click when they get to the NFL where it's like they just end up falling into a bucket of, okay, they're on a roster. I'm pretty sure they're going to be on a roster, but that's it. You know, they're not somebody that I can necessarily say is a productive. And then when we, we haven't even talked about what the threshold is of, you know, what are you trying to hit with some of these grades, you know, because that's the other thing you talk about. What formats do you really want to put 
any sort of capital into tight end? And then what are you shooting for if you're just taking a tight end in a, you know, 1.5 or a PPR league? Like the, the threshold of what you have to hit to matter is so extremely high. You know, how do you use this kind of stuff? But the, the first question is just talking about college production and then how does that translate to NFL success or the ability to earn production in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the, the big question here. Like you said, there's a lot of guys that performed at a high level and just didn't pan out in the pros and vice versa. But I do have my pre-combine grade um, for all these guys. And the R-squared value, which is a measurement of fit for a model, is not very good. So that alone tells you right there that just using college production is not very good. That's why in the end, when I finally have a post-draft model, that grade, which is better than draft capital alone. That factors in obviously the speed score, the draft capital and all the college production. So the weights shift here and there, but just looking at college production alone is not very good to translate to the NFL. Would you say going forward with what you just said, it is almost a waste of time to try to project tight ends until we get to March of the season, they're coming into the draft and we have the athleticism data to go with, okay, a month out, we're pretty certain we can start to bucket these guys into certain ranges for draft capital. But like, until we get those two things, do you think it is a, a almost a waste of time to really try to project tight ends? Maybe not the elite, elite tight ends. Like I listened to your show and you talked about Brock Bowers being, you know, almost, almost can't miss. But part of probably that is assuming that he checks at least baseline level boxes from a draft capital and a testing standpoint. But aside from a guy like that, where you're pretty confident, you can just check those boxes with at least something that's average or above average. You think it's a waste of time to even be trying to figure out who is tight end three, four, five, six, seven in a class more than a year out. To some degree. Yeah. I mean, obviously we want to, try to project to some degree, okay, can they do this? Can they do that? And that's why I like seeing that yards after catch per reception because that alone right there says, okay, this guy not only is probably getting the ball, but he's getting it and doing something with it. So that is a metric that I really like to see. But in 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 all of what you're saying, yeah, it really is. Because like, like I said earlier, the pre-combine grades are not very good. I'm just looking at all of my grades going back to 2014 and I know, I know you're going to like this one, but Isaiah Likely is the number one tight end of my pre-combine grades all time. So we got guys like him, Harrison Bryant, Trey McBride, Caleb Wilson from UCLA, Max Williams, just kind of a whole lot of nothing up there, you know? So I, w- I would say it's not a complete waste of time, but until we at least get that speed score or Raz, it, it, it's kind of a wash. And it, that doesn't surprise me because I know both Isaiah Likely and Harrison Bryant both were very productive at the college level, but they also did it at Coastal Carolina and Florida Atlantic. You know, is that the same as doing it at a different school where maybe they treat the tight end position totally differently? So those are actually two really good examples of guys that when you plug in their draft capital and you plug in their athleticism, their profiles don't look nearly as good. I mean, I'm looking at your sheet and I'm looking at Isaiah Likely right now. And I can see exactly what you're talking about. He ended up being what in your fourth tier, it looks like yet. Yep. He had the highest pre-combine score. 
uh, just simply because he really didn't check any other boxes. So that that's definitely an interesting one. I've um, I, I've played around a little bit with trying to figure out what does that production floor look like. Kind of the same thing we did with the Raz research uh, like a month ago. I I'm more interested from tight ends being able to say which guys do I not even want to bother with first. Let me eliminate this section, and then I'm going to have a group where I'm willing to pick from, and then I'll refine based on the draft capital. So, like, I'm trying to figure out what is the minimum threshold. And I've, I just took a bunch of data and pulled it and then sorted it and figured out, okay, where are the outliers? And I think there might be something when you look at, like, it's a very low bar, but if you take a very low bar worth of production and then you cut off everybody below that, you're going to get to a point, I think I used... Uh, like a 25th percentile dominator rating or below relative to the rest of the class. So not 25%, but just a 25th percentile. There isn't anybody below that. So like if your college production is below that, I think the best guy was Dawson Knox and the best he's had is like a tight end 13 or a tight end 12 season. And like that was the only player that was below that. So like, it seems like there might be a minimum threshold of like, if this guy literally didn't produce anything it's kind of the darnell washington argument of why you might argue against him despite everything else like he didn't even hit the basics and it's not that hard to hit a 25th percentile dominator rating like it's that's not that high Uh, but if you just filtered everybody out below that i couldn't find anybody that was successful no that's actually funny you say dawson knox because i was quickly going through my my pre-combine so production metrics here and he really is the only one that has lower than what a 7.8 on my scale that has been any near relevance. So totally makes sense. They're kind of setting a threshold or a floor and kind of eliminating the guys below that and really just focusing on the guys at the top. Does that concern you on Darnell Washington, given that like that was his level of college production? And I know he's going to probably be a top 50 pick. Like, does that concern you, especially if you're in one of these formats where you're not, you know, overpaying for the tight end position because of the premium? It's just like, does it, would, would he be an avoid on your board if we're just doing like a 1.5 start one startup? Like, are you probably not going to take him for that? Just betting against the outlier? I think so. Honestly. I mean, right now I'm looking at him and he has a 7.53 pre-combine grade. And the only guy that's around him that has shot up one tier, two tiers, and I'm assuming Darnell at least gets second round draft capital here. But the only other guy that shoots up the way he would is someone like OJ Howard. So if really that's what we're getting out of Darnell Washington, are you really going to spend some premium draft capital on that? I I don't really know if you are. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Good stuff, Mm -hmm. man. That we, not a lot of people talk, uh, Tight ends. People don't like it. It's a subject people like to avoid because I just don't think they have a lot of strong research, and you've definitely done the research, so appreciate you. For sure. The one that that stood out to me from the uh, – just go back to the 2023 class is you look at – you said you like career yards after catch per reception, and who's dead last in this class? Dalton Kincaid. I would have never have thought that in a million years because I thought, man, he's probably like one of the best after catch guys in the in the draft. And here he is, dead last um, on your list for twenty twenty three guys. Yeah, I actually uh, honestly didn't didn't notice that until you said something, and that's that's pretty funny because I heard yesterday 
I don't remember which podcast it was, but they were comparing him to Kelsey. And it's like, that right. is, that, that's pretty far from the truth when you're looking at something like that. And yeah, he has all the other metrics. I mean, everything else is either graded a, a nine or an eight for me, but that yards after catch per reception, really something I didn't notice before. And I'm glad you pointed it out. Cause that's, that's well below everybody else that we're really, really wanting in this class. Yeah, I mean, every the top guys here are all sevens or sixes, and he's almost three yards, you know, behind those guys. So that one, yeah, stood out to me. Eric, question for you: If you're in one of these two PPR leagues, mm-hmm. doesn't it? I'm starting to get the feeling, and, and I've been kind of a a negative on this guy for a while, but I'm starting to get the feeling that if I don't know who to pick and I'm getting in this range where I'm sitting at the 108, 109, 110, and I'm picking between Quentin Johnston, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, whoever the RB3 is, doesn't it feel like if it's 1.75 or 2 PPR, I'm I'm a, I'm a better off taking Michael Mayer than betting on one of those receivers even when the premium is high enough. If he can just give me... 70 for 750 and six touchdowns. That's going to outscore most wide receiver threes every single year. A lot of years, that's going to outpace a lot of the wide receiver twos, especially like in a two PPR league. It feels like he's a lock to get me 14 to 16 points a year per game. Mm -hmm. Like he just feels like he's got that. He's just going to be that he's going to be tight end six through 10. And in those leagues that magnifies somebody in the flex. And it feels like he's, like super safe, safer than the receivers. Do you feel that way at this point? If it's one of those premiums, yeah, I think so. Especially with you know, like you said, the premium. The one thing that you did bring up, I don't know if it was on one of your podcasts or or trades in five or somewhere. I heard it uh, recently. Is you know you don't think any of these tight ends are going to get into that Dallas Goddard. TJ Hawkinson, Pat Fryermuth range at all. And these guys are probably fighting for tight end 10 to 15, probably like in that range. Probably a little that... higher, probably six okay. to 10. Probably. Okay. I think Fryermuth is a good comparison for Michael Mayer. Right. In a two PPR league, give me, give me Fryermuth all day over the likes of Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, those types. He's going to outscore him just based on the format, and it's at a scarce position to where I I don't love Pat Fryermuth, but if I have Pat Fryermuth as my second tight end, guess what? That means you don't have a tight end. Right. And that to me, that is worth more than, okay, I got that. Sure, Chris Godwin outscores him by a half a point per game. But I'd rather steal the tight end from you and make you have to stream from the tier below that versus, oh, well, they're the same. Give me the receiver because he's going to last longer because that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. We have so much turnover at the wide receiver two, three, four range. You talked about that a couple episodes ago. Those guys turn over just as fast as the running backs because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Like Pat Fryermuth, as long as he doesn't get three more concussions, <laughs> dude, dude's probably he's probably a tight end where he, right, where he is for the next eight years. Yeah, he's probably a top 12 tight end, especially with, you know, how the classes have gone. But now you're adding in maybe five or six really good tight ends in this class. Like I said um, last episode, this tight end class is really going to change shape here from, you know, that tight end seven to 25 range, somewhere in there. Like these tight ends are just going to be crazy um, turnover from where we're seeing them right now. So I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, taking like, yeah, I mean, you take um, 
you know, Mayor or Washington, Kincaid, whoever, you know, over these Quentin Johnson types, you know, whoever you said, the RB3, RB4s, you know, you're getting that positional advantage. And if those guys really do hit, I mean, you're getting a monster advantage, especially in 1.75 and two-point PPR leagues. 1.5, like you've said it before, like the it just doesn't push the needle that much. So I might lean more towards an Addison or a Kendra Miller or whoever the running back is that's going to be up there. But yeah, in those uh, 1.75, two points, or you got to start two tight ends. Yeah, I'm going to start valuing these tight ends probably around the same range as, as those guys that we were just talking about. JB, anything final to add on tight ends before we transition over? No, I, I think we hit it. I mean, one thing with this class, obviously, is get, they're going to get to the draft capital. I mean, we're seeing four or five guys mocked in round one and two. I mean, at some point, you you got to take what tight ends. And this mm-hmm. class is definitely full of the, the late second, third round dart throws. And, I mean... It, it, it's just a great, it's a good, good tight end class to, to have those dart throws with. For sure. All right. So now we're going to move over to wide receiver here. So kind of looking at your top five wide receivers based on the model right now, you have Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, JSN, Parker Washington, and Marvin Mims. So a lot of the same type of, even Jalen Hyatt, who's six, a lot of the same, like, body type styles of these guys. Parker Washington's the only one that's coming in over 200 pounds right now. Um, do, you, do you see that a lot in your model that these, you know, smaller guys are getting the higher draft grades for you, the pre-draft grades? Not necessarily. I think that's okay. somewhat of a product of this class. I mean, like at the top two, Addison and Downs, they're, they're uber producers in college, especially Downs, you know. it The, the weight is just one thing, and I, th- I think this is more of a, a slot and flanker class, if you want to call it that, as opposed to the normal Alpha X class. But, right. I mean, I... Th- yeah, I don't I don't really have any, I guess, opinions on that one way or another because there's okay. guys in here all over the place that that are bigger um, and receiving higher grades because I'm looking at the my top grades of all time. We got Amari Cooper towards the top, Traylon Burks up there, Jamar Chase. Um Corey Davis up at 209. So nothing really with that. I think it's more of a product of this class, if anything. Okay. Yeah, because I've, I've noticed that, you know, there's a lot of those smaller wide receivers in this class in the 160 to 170 range. I mean, it's, it's, there's like really no in between. You're either 160, 170, or you're 190, 200. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an interesting class here. You know, you get, like we said, we got a lot of those guys, but, Draft capital is going to be king. We're really going to see what the NFL thinks of those size guys in this class. Right. Now, when you, you talked to, you know, on the tight ends that you looked at the um, yards after catch per reception and all that, what are some of the uh, metrics that you're looking for for the wide receivers? So once again, I want to see them produce throughout their entire career. So somebody like JSN, his average reception share was only 11.8%, which is really his only knock in my model here. Um, so obviously not playing too much as a freshman and then this missing all last year really hurts him there. In addition to that, his career weighted dominator, dominator because of his last year barely playing. That's really hurting him. But but despite all of those knocks against him analytically, 
he's still the third guy in this class for me and in the, my platinum tier, which is my tier two. So something like somebody like that really sticks out. Okay. He, his metrics are bad, but there's context to it, but he's mm-hmm. still way up there because of what he did in his one season. So I do have a bunch of best se- best season stats as well. Um, but, but the one I really like to see, and it doesn't hold too much weight in my model is somebody having a 30% dominator in either year one or year two. So that's when you're at a younger age, the most of the guys around you, freshman or sophomore year, are you able to hit that 30% dominator? And I, I did a quick study of my database. I think it was last year. And the guys that hit that are exponentially better in the long run than guys that don't. So that really right there is something that says, okay, this guy can ball out when he's young. He's probably going to be good at the next level. And I just did a quick count. You only have six of those guys in this class. Yeah, it's uh, not too great of a receiver class, but we got guys like Addison, Downs, um, Zay Flowers doing it, but then a couple other guys like uh, Jaden Reed, Dante Demas, they all did it. But, I mean, this is kind of a kind of an all-over-the-place class with that one. Right. I was uh, – I see Demas is on there. I know Ray was uh... – kind of giving him some grief last night on the AMA that he did for the Discord. Uh, but I was watching uh, some Demas highlights earlier in the day, and I kind of like him, man. He's, uh, for a bigger guy, and he's if he gets into the right offense, I, I might take some shots at him this year. That was a guy Shane Hallam always had in the top two rounds, pre-draft or uh, pre, pre-season, and even during the, the early part of the season. I know when we had him on the podcast back in the middle of the year, he still had Demas going in the second round. Him and uh, he had him and Rakeem Jarrett both going in the top 50, which, you know, probably not a great bet to have two teammates go in the top 50. I mean, that stuff changes, but he's somebody that I haven't heard anybody talk about. And, you know, I don't mm-hmm. like taking day three receivers, but I did want to comment on the the weight thing. So I just looked, I just pulled the top 60 uh, current ADP receivers, according to DLF. And actually 22 of the top 60 receivers right now in Dynasty are sub 189 pounds. So it's not crazy to see these guys that come in. I mean, sure, I'd rather you weigh 180 than 172. But there's even 11 receivers right now that are under 180 pounds. So I think we kind of are transitioning a little bit more into a smaller man's game now. You know, a lot of those names are guys that are on the lower end of the, you know, they're outside of the top 15 receivers in Dynasty for the most part. Um, but I don't think if you're just looking to hit on productive receivers that I'm necessarily scared of, oh, this guy's too slight or this guy's too small. And then even 13 of the 60 are under 5'10". So there are some guys that, I mean, we we shit on guys that are 5'9", 176 pounds or whatever. But I think you can still get productive receivers. And that was my question for JB is like, we're to a point now where we talk about how many receivers there are in dynasty and how wide receivers don't matter and how you can always pivot up and down based on who you think are the really, really good ones versus the ones that are just good. Does this feel like a class to you that's being disrespected from a standpoint of we tend to grade a receiver class based on how many guaranteed like alpha receivers we get guys that are going to end up being in the top 10 or better versus we may look back at this class in three or four years and go, wow, that produced six or seven Deontay Johnsons or Marquise Browns or, you know what I mean? Like there's some productive receivers in here. There's just not one where people are confident, like this guy's going to be an absolute stud unless you think it's JSN, which your grades do. 
it just feels like I'm I'm not as down on this receiver class, barring they get the draft capital. Just understand what you're drafting. I don't want to draft the next Deontay Johnson with the 107 pick in my rookie draft, but I'm not like scared of taking that player if that's what's there. Because I think there's some productive guys that people just are kind of already writing off because they don't think they're going to be super studs. Yeah, totally. I, I'm with you there. I mean, this class has been getting disrespected at the wide receiver position, but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of still in. There's, I mean, we got guys at the top, guys in the first round, and then plethora of guys in the second round. And your your roster construction series a while back, you want to start those wide receivers in the flex most of the time. So these guys that are going to be your wide receiver threes, fours, they're going to be starters on your team. And I think this class has pretty decent amount that can definitely step up. I mean, I know you like Marvin Mims. Um, I really like Josh Downs. I know Ray spoke very highly about him with his field grades. Th- those two guys are going to be steals in the second round. I mean, they're not going to put up wide receiver one numbers year in, year out, but they're going to give you wide receiver two, possibly one weeks. They're good players. It's just where where's where do we draft them, you know? I think it is important with both of those names, especially Marvin Mims, that they get, for me, they get second round capital or better. That's where it gets a little shaky for me. Even if somebody says Marvin Mims is a great player, I know uh, Scott Barrett put out that tweet yesterday that Marvin Mims was, I think, his wide receiver too, or maybe I'm misquoting, but I read a tweet with that. I'd have to go back and look at it. But there's other people that are really high on Marvin Mims. All right. How concerned would you be on a guy like Marvin Mims if he goes in like the middle of round three of the NFL draft? Does that change your process in terms of when you would want to take him? Because for me, I see a receiver that goes in the third round. That looks totally different historically than a receiver that goes like in the top 50. Yeah, no, that's that's funny you say top 50 because last year I was looking at kind of a rookie predicting model of sorts and the cutoff was pick 54. And that was looking at the past three or four years. So, yeah, I mean, middle end-ish of the second round is really where you want these guys. So, yeah, there's definitely a tier break in that 50 to 60 and around two range. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, so if you want these uh, these second rounders to have more value, if you're holding a couple 202s, 203s, 204s, uh, that's something you're looking for on draft night. Like, even if it's Eric's favorite, Tyquan Thornton, of a profile, really. Like you want, you want as many of these guys for the sake of your dynasty values to go in the top 50. Like you want to hear Marvin Mims, you, even if you don't like Marvin Mims or Josh Downs for the strength of the rookie class, I think you want to see six or seven receivers go in that top 50. You want to see multiple running backs go in round three, instead of all of them, all of them falling to round four. You want to see tight ends go in the similar range. So it's uh, something to watch. This class could actually be a little undervalued. And I've been saying trade out of those picks where you can, but you know, that could end up being something that burns me if I trade too many 201s, 202s, 203s, because then I'm passing on maybe where the tier is going to extend a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm still liking the the second round picks from what I've seen in a lot of the mocks that we've, you know, uh, have done ours personally. Uh, the wake up show mock draft that you guys did this week on Wednesday with Cody, uh, yourself and 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 Jay Rich. I'm I'm still liking the second round quite a bit. I think I'm going to be able to find some really good players there. Now, once you get to the third round, though, it might be a little bit of a 
you got to hit, you know, on one of those guys, see where they go landing spot wise or draft capital wise, see what you can get there. But yeah, I think the second rounds are, I'm still pretty good at, uh, with right now. JB, I have one more question for you. Uh, just when it comes from a Devi perspective, uh, cause we seem to fall into this trap in Devi a lot of times of anointing these receivers, uh, as okay, that that guy's definitely going to get the draft capital, and then things get a little shaky when you get closer to NFL draft time and combine time. We're still a month away, but people that are in Devi leagues that have Zay Flowers already, is that a guy? If you had Zay Flowers, would would you be willing to pivot from like Zay Flowers to Josh Downs if you can get a second asset despite knowing you Zay Flowers has a really good shot at going in the first round? Is that a move you'd be willing to make? Personally, I would. I really like Josh Downs, so maybe not the best example. But, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely for giving me more stabs at receivers. I really like Zay Flowers. He is my wide receiver four, despite him being very far down in my analytics grades. I still like him. He's going to get the first-round draft capital. He's been productive at Boston College. I think it's more of the, the latter stats that kind of weighed him down in my average career metrics there. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely a move just because like we said that those wide receiver three, four ish range type guys, they're, they're, they're kind of interchangeable. So just, yeah, give me another stab at something else as well. Think you can get that done, Eric. If you're willing to trade a Zay flowers, Debbie share for a Josh downs that Debbie share, you think you can get like almost two Josh downs for one Zay flowers. I think it's possible right now. Yeah. Um, okay. It depends on, you know, what the owner thinks of Josh Downs and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I think it, you can do that. That might not be, like, the greatest example just because I think they're kind of close in a lot of people's rankings. Okay, uh, say Marvin like Mims if, then because I think he carries more risk than, right, than Josh right. Downs. Yeah, I think you could definitely get a, a second-round pick or a second-round type asset on top of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Another thing I just quickly noticed, a lot of these guys that are getting some um, second-round buzz, you know, you mentioned Zay Flowers. Obviously, he's going to be uh, probably a first, maybe second-round pick. But, like, right now, Jonathan Mingo, Cedric Tillman, A.T. Perry, a lot of these guys are getting second-round buzz, too, and they're down here with Zay Flowers. So be interesting to see if those guys get the draft capital as well, especially if they're going to be top 50 picks like we were talking. Listen, yeah, and... and- Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm, I'll let you finish, but that we are we're looking for stuff to talk about. So the fact we are putting Jonathan Mingo and A.T. Perry and those types into a range where you would actually, unless you're saying it's a best ball league and I need extra bodies, like what are we doing? Right. What are we doing? What is the odds Jonathan Mingo matters in a start 10 lineup league? Come on. I mean... He's got the same kind of, you know, body makeup that A.J. Brown had, you know. I don't want to say he's going to be A.J. Brown just because he wore the same helmet and all that, but A.J. Brown was a second-round pick, too. There's bias in that. Okay, okay. I'll put a caveat out there. If he goes in the second round, he's at least on the radar. But I think what's going yeah. to happen is I think you're going to see some of these guys that are getting some buzz. They're going to end up going mid-round three, early round three, late round three, and then people go, man, I don't know who else to pick because I don't want to draft that fourth or fifth round running back, not thinking about at all a plan for their roster construction. 
man, let me grab that A.T. Perry. The mock yesterday, A.T. Perry goes to the Chiefs, pick 95. Historically, that is an absolutely shitty place to use a draft pick. But someone will. He'll be going in the third round because people can't stomach to draft that fifth round running back, but they don't have a plan. And then they wonder in a year why they have another roster clogger receiver and they go, oh man, just wait another year. He's going to get that shot. That Khalil Shakir, let me just roster him for two more years. He'll be fine. And then you just get stuck. And then two years from now, you go, "Ah, okay, it's time to drop him. So I just, it just feels like that's going to happen. If I'm wrong and one of these guys, you know, said Tillman goes pick 44 or Jonathan Mingo goes on the top 50, I'll reassess. It just feels like Destin, they're going to end up being the roster cloggers, you know, that, that they're going to get stuck in that range where you're just a sucker if you draft them. Sorry, JB, that was a long rant. You can finish. No, you're good. You're good. I, I was just going to mention that a lot of these guys we're talking about are very, very far down in my rankings here, or at least my grades. I mean, we talk about Rasheed Rice, Puka Nakua, Zay Flowers, A.T. Perry. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I, it's, it's, the draft is obviously going to matter a lot, but for these guys, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. There's, there's not much to talk about. It's kind of pick your flavor of the week. I remember Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati was getting a lot of buzz, round one buzz a while back. What happened to that? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. All right. Good stuff, man. Yeah. So that's, uh, we're just going to talk about the tight ends and wide receivers today on this one. If you want to get more of JB's analytics, make sure you guys join destination Debbie and you can join the, uh, I forget which tier it is again, but, um, join up to that and you can get JB's analytics. You can check out all these grades, um, for yourself. It's really good stuff. So, um, but with that, we're going to take a small little break here and then we're going to get into the meat of our show. We're going to do a startup mock draft for you guys. Uh, Superflex 1.5 tight end premium, just regular PPR. Nothing too uh, crazy here, but pretty much your standard type of startup mock. And we're going to have the uh, rookie picks in there. So we're not going to include Bijan Robinson or CJ Stroud or whoever, but we're going to actually have the rookie picks in there because I know some. Uh, drafts are going on right now. You might have like the actual rookie pick 101 in your draft. So we're going to do that and go over it. So we'll see you guys uh, back here in a minute. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Destination Devi listeners, Eric here of the America's Game podcast, and hopefully by now you've heard that Underdog Fantasy has partnered up with Destination Devi. You want to get in all of these year-long best ball contests and compete with Ray Garvin, Ike and Gene of the Off the Line Fantasy podcast, Adam and Mike of 4D Chess, and Scott Connor and myself at the America's Game Pod, well, now is your chance. If you sign up with the code America's Game, all one word, you will get a 100% deposit match up to $100 free 
by Underdog Fantasy. The best part of that, though, if you deposit at least $10, you will get access to the Destination Devi Discord for free. You'll get it for one full year, and now is the time to do it right before the NFL Draft and get all those goodies that are going on right now in the Destination Devi Discord. And right now, as we know, it is tax money season. Are you getting any money back? Why don't you take $100 and deposit it on Underdog Fantasy, and you'll get a free 100 from Underdog, and you'll get access to Destination Devi. There is no better deal going on right now than that. So use that promo code America's Game, once again, all one word, and sign up today. Now, back to the show. Here we go. Superflex startup mock draft here. Uh, like I said before, before we came into this, it's going to be just Superflex, 1.5 tight end premium, regular PPR for all the other positions, um, not start two tight end, not point per carry, just kind of like your ra- your regular kind of startup league right now. The rookie draft picks will be included in there, so like the rookie 10 pick, uh, 101 pick, the rookie 102 pick. And all that will be included in this draft. So, JB, you're our guest, man. We're going to let you start it off. Who would you take at the 101 in a uh, brand new startup? Is it too early to take the 101? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Give, <laughs> give me Patrick Mahomes. Pretty pretty easy decision for me. I mean, there's, there's the top two guys for me. It's only Mahomes and Allen. And the longevity of Mahomes doing what he has done especially this past year without Tyreek Hill, it's it's a deciding factor for me. He's, he's probably going to go down his best quarterback ever, so give me him at 101. All right, Scott is going to be up at the 102. Go ahead and make your pick, Scott. Uh, pretty obvious for me. Uh, I would take Mahomes 102. Sometimes he falls there in startups, but I'll go Josh Allen. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. You're lucky if you draw one of these picks. You'd rather start here if you're going to especially try to get another second elite quarterback. It feels even better when you can do that. You, you feel really good about getting a Fields or Watson or someone like that if you can trade into the end of the first. Uh, but being able to start with Allen or Mahomes is uh, even better versus doing it with you know a Trevor Lawrence or someone like that. So it's just a gift to get the 102, and it feels like it's easier to trade up because uh, you picked a little earlier. You're not trying to move around uh, with those middle-round picks. So Josh Allen, pretty easy, 102. Yeah, and that makes my job simple, too, at the 103. I would go with Jalen Hurts. I think Hurts is more in that tier with Josh Allen now, especially with his rushing upside. He's going to probably have a little bit more rushing yards, probably similar touchdowns uh, rushing-wise to what Josh Allen has. And, I mean, it's hard to argue that right now Jalen Hurts doesn't have the better weapons to throw to with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Goddard, and whatever else they're going to add this year because they got a bunch of picks. So give me Jalen Hurts at the 103. And then, J.B., go ahead and start us off with the 104. Probably going to break Scott's heart here, but I'm going with Joe Burrow. They've surrounded him with weapons, and he's incredible. He's pretty easy selection for me here. Yeah, expected. I mean, I listen, I'm a Bengals fan, but I'm also when it comes to like dynasty management, I'm pretty pragmatic in, in terms of understanding where my tiers are. So, I mean, I would take Burrow 104, but I, it's fine to take Deshaun Watson or Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence at 105, 106, 107. I'll go Justin Herbert. I, I think Bengals fans don't like to hear this, but I think Herbert is 
as good as Burrow in terms of like a lot of the stuff that I think if he was in Burrow's situation, he would be just as good. They're different. Uh, I think Burrow probably will be able to maintain better efficiency for his career, but I could also see Herbert having the, you know, Herbert could have the 5,300 yard 42 touchdown season and I wouldn't be shocked. So I think him and Burrow are back to back. They're both top five. They're probably never both going to be top. I wouldn't bet on either one of them having like a top two season. But would it would it shock you if this was the next like Brady and Breeze, where they're just in the top like four, five, six, seven for the next ten years, and it's like they're just always in this spot. And I, I mean, it is what it is. Whatever one you can get, you just get them because I, I feel very confident about having them as my QB one. Yep, I agree with that for sure. Go ahead and uh, one hundred five. Who you got? Oh, I took Herbert. I thought everyone kind oh, of took Herbert. Take okay, her. my bad. I'm taking I Herbert 105. Yeah, him and Burrow back to back. Okay. Yep, that's probably pretty uh, standard in most leagues. So that leaves me with an interesting pick here at 106. I'm still going to go quarterback. I'm not going to change it up or anything, but you have um, you know, a pocket of four guys here to choose from. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields would probably be my four here uh, to see who I would want to take. And it might be a little controversial, but I'm going to take Deshaun Watson. I think Watson is going to be getting back on the track where he's at. The Browns are going to be putting weapons around him. Obviously, they're putting, uh, they got Elijah Moore. They got Amari Cooper still. You still have Njoku. You still have Nick Chubb. You got a really good offensive line. I think once the rust gets kicked off here, which he's started to do here at the end of last year, I think once he starts rolling here, Watson's going to get back right into the top five mix. He can still run the ball a little bit too. He was running pretty good last year as well. Still can get you that rushing upside. He's not going to be like Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts rushing upside, but he's not that far off. So give me Deshaun Watson on that one. Eric, quick question on you uh, on that one. Would you, if you were in this spot and you couldn't move in or out, you were just stuck, you had to make the pick. Mm-hmm. Your only decent stakes up up where you have to, you know, you have to make a bet and you're playing for something. Would you take Deshaun Watson over Trevor Lawrence, knowing just the value of the asset and the, the stink that might be on Watson in some leagues? Because I agree with you. I think Watson is as good as Herbert and Burrow. I, honestly, you could argue he's as good as Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. Maybe not for fantasy, but there was a day where he was close to them in fantasy. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's ridiculous to say, oh, you know, Watson's not that good. I see some of these startups where he falls out of the first round. It's like, what are we doing? Right. It, barring that he's going to play, which none of us can predict. You know, like there's anything that could happen to anybody at any time. So would you take him over Lawrence, though? Just knowing there's 11 other people in your league that would – absolutely buy Trevor Lawrence from you, but there might be three or four that would go, I don't want that to Sean Watson. I don't think I would worry that too much about that because okay. I probably don't plan on ever trading Watson if I, you know, I'm in this spot taking him. Good point. I could maybe see like, okay, I'm in this spot and I want Watson, but I know like maybe the next two guys aren't going to take him. They're going to take Lawrence and Lamar, whatever it is. Maybe I can trade back a spot or two and still get Watson while maybe picking up a couple extra picks or get pick swaps to where I move up in like round three, four, five, something like that. So maybe that's something you can explore. Yeah, I definitely think you could. I think there's there's still stink on Watson. I mean, rightfully so. You know, he had his off the field stuff and then he wasn't very good last year, but 
you know, this is a big year for him, but I, I think we're all kind of willing to bet that he'll get back towards what he was versus what he was the last year. So you're up, JB. Yeah, just just one thing onto that. I mean, this was before everything happened. I mean, officially happened, I should say, when he was kind of in that gray area of what's going to happen when he was still with the Texans. We had a conversation in the Heisman voice chat, and I straight up said Deshaun Watson is my dynasty quarterback too, and I still like him. The, the talent is still there. I, I would like to assume it is. And now that all the off-the-field issues are gone or supposedly gone, they're they're going to build this team around him. They have too much money invested in him. Chubb is going to be gone slash phased out sooner than later. I mean, this is going to be Deshaun's team going forward. They just made another trade for a weapon with Elijah Moore. It, it, this is his team, and I, I love that pick there. Um, but yeah. going with the, the the 107 here, I mean, Scott segued into it enough for me, so won't waste any time. But Trevor Lawrence at the 107 is pretty easy for me. Yeah, I figured you'd go T Law there. I think he's uh, probably pretty good value to get him at the 107. And it feels like this range is that those four picks right there, at least for me, are kind of like I don't really care which one I get. I'd rather get the 104, but. And that's because what Eric said, yeah, I can maybe trade back two spots and still get another one. But yeah, it feels like this is a, a really sweet spot, but it also feels like a spot that you, if you're willing to trade to the back of the tier and your tiers are a little bit different than someone else that might be in that spot, you might be able to trade into it. So good pick at the, uh, at the 107. And it, it's funny because I'm just looking back at some numbers right now. Like Watson legitimately was probably the second best quarterback in the league prior to his off the field stuff. And people just forget that. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's not any good anymore. It's like, well, you, you don't go from that to being terrible. So, and hopefully the the Browns give him, you know, a lot more to work with because they don't have a choice. Um, I'll go Justin Fields at 108. I think Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson are basically the same thing at this point, but give me the guy that's still on his rookie deal and doesn't have a contract dispute and still probably has a year or two of that high-end rushing. Now, we had this conversation in the Heisman chat the other day. Like, in two years, would you be shocked if Justin Fields is Lamar Jackson, where the team doesn't want to give him 50-plus million a year, but, like, he's been a top four or five quarterback fantasy-wise, and you're like, what the hell, you know? Especially if the Bears turn around and win because the Bears haven't won forever. But does he feel like a guy, Eric, in two years where everyone's going to think he's awesome? But then the Bears are like, nah. We're not giving yeah. you 20% of our salary cap. We'll just get another guy. You know, doesn't it feel like he mm-hmm. could be the next Lamar? For sure. Yeah. I think the one thing with Fields, though, is I've seen him pass in college and, and whatnot, you know, at Ohio State. Like, he's a pretty good passer. He's not like elite or anything, but he's definitely better than Lamar Jackson is at throwing the ball. So hopefully the Bears, obviously, they've gotten some more weapons around him. Hopefully they start throwing the ball a little bit more and using him to show off that arm a little bit, and then maybe you know he'll be uh, vaulted above Lamar there. Um, So with my pick here at the 109, Lamar is the last quarterback in the the tier that I had here. Despite all that everything's going on, I think Lamar's is still worth it, so give me Lamar Jackson. JB, what are your thoughts on Lamar? Because everything Eric just said was incorrect about Lamar not being a good passer. Like, he's been pretty good. I, he's you're, not you're, as... biased with your, you're biased with your eyes. The data says Lamar Jackson is a league average or better passer. 
That's but that's what I meant. He was league average. He's not like an elite guy. That's is what and, I meant. and Fields through his twenty some starts has been absolute dog shit. Yes, he has. I agree. So, so uh, to be fair, Fields could get to Lamar's level or better this year. But if we're sitting halfway through the season and his passing still is terrible, but he's top five for fantasy, I'm concerned. Yes, I agree. Like we that. need to see it jump, take a big jump this year. A- any thoughts on the Lamar versus Fields stuff, JB? I mean, we saw Lamar take pretty big strides either. I think it was the second year where he won MVP, and a lot of that was on the ground. But he made strides as a passer, and that that was huge for not only his growth, but for his fantasy value as well. Because like you said, the, the legs are only going to carry you so far. If you can add, I guess, obviously quarterbacks are kind of the other way around. You want your passers to eventually run or vice versa. But having that kind of throwing to fall back on is only going to boost his value and I mean that that was a that's a that's a great pick at 109 right there. I still consider him up in the tier with the Burrow, Herbert, Watson, that entire six that we just went through. I think that's the tier two right there, and after that, it really falls off. So yeah, All I right. guess uh, with with the 110, not 1010, I will break the non-quarterback seal and go Justin Jefferson. I think. Between him and Chase, it's really a toss-up. You know, Jefferson, I think, is just going to be the better do-it-all. I mean, he's done it since day one. Not that Chase hasn't, but these two, it's really just take your pick. Yeah, I can't argue with it. I mean, I, I don't know how many countless debates there's been. Chase or Jefferson, wide receiver one. I can't argue with you putting Jefferson wide receiver one because of what he's done. I can make a pretty compelling argument for Chase wide receiver one for what he will do over the next couple of years. I think he, if there is a receiver that has a Calvin Johnson-esque season where it's like close to 2,000 yards, 15 touchdowns, still over 100 catches, I think it's Chase. And I, I, I'll ask your opinion because I'm going to take Chase at 111. Are you really adding much, if anything, to Chase to get Jefferson, Eric? Given that if, if Kirk Cousins were to go away and they draft like Will Levis, aren't you a little concerned about Jefferson over Chase at that point? Like real talk, I know he's produced like, I think he's like 0.6 points per game better than Chase for his career, but it's very close. Would you be a little concerned if it was a different quarterback, though, knowing Chase is probably with Burrow for the next decade? Yeah, just a little bit. I think the efficiency will go down because Kirk Cousins has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks for years and years now. So I agree with that. His efficiency quarterback will probably go down, especially if it's Will Levis. So, yeah, I agree with that. And the other thing is, I don't, I don't know if you've seen any of these numbers, but the, the, the numbers of Chase without T. Higgins there, mm-hmm. I mean, they're insane. It's like, I mean, yeah. he, he averages a... 38% market share, something like that when Higgins isn't there. I mean, he gets fed. Now, fair or not, I don't think it's like, well, you just remove Higgins. And obviously, if you take Higgins away and you don't replace him, that's not optimal for the offense. You want to have a good offense that can sustain drives and score points and move the ball and run a lot of plays. But man, the games where Higgins isn't there, it's like, yeah, you look up at halftime and Chase has 10 targets already, you know, and he gets right. targets all over the field. He gets all the targets you want that are easy, but then it's like he can hit a home run ball at any time too. So it just feels like if they were to replace Higgins with even a lesser version or a version that might take a year or two to get up to speed to where Higgins was, 
it just feels like Chase could have one of those. He could be 180 targets like that. And you're like, wow, I didn't oh, yeah. see that coming. And then boom, he's there. Right, for sure. All right, so I am up here at the turn, 112 and 201. So for me, there really isn't a running back worth taking uh, that's in the NFL right now currently. Wide receiver-wise, I think C.D. Lamb would be my next wide receiver, but I'm not. I don't know if I would take him right here. In 1.5 premium, I don't think there's a tight end worth taking it either. Kyler Murray would be the pick if he wasn't hurt for me. But with him being hurt, I think I would go a different route if I'm starting a brand new startup. And I'm going to take rookie picks 101 and 102. So I can get myself Bijan Robinson, who would be my RB1 um, in Dynasty as soon as he gets drafted into the NFL. And then the 102, I can take whatever rookie quarterback that I'm feeling, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever. Also, give me that. Give me both rookie picks, 101 and 102 for the turn. So you have it set up on here where uh, you only get one pick. Are we doing where we go the reverse order and you just go two in a row? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm i sorry. I messed that up. No, it's fine. We can do that. We can just do yeah. back-to-back, and then we'll just go up the other way, and then uh, I'll go, and yep. then JB will go, and then you want JB to go twice, or how do you want to do it? Because it's going to throw off the order. Um. I kind of wanted just to like you're drafting for each team. So like the 12s team would be my team. The 109 team would be my team. That's kind of how I set it up. Okay. Okay. We'll just do that. Then we'll just go reverse order of what it is on the sheet and it should work out like that. So that's fine. Okay. So I am up. uh, You kind of sniped me definitely on the 101. And given that this team already took Jamar Chase, it probably can't afford to pass on a quarterback here unless it's just going to go the complete pivot strategy and fade quarterback. I don't know if anyone has the the stones to do that. Man. Man, man, man. I guess I will go with the 103. And that's just simply because I'd rather have one of the the quarterbacks, either Stroud or Richardson for me over Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray at this point. And then there's just added flexibility of, I don't know what's going to happen in the draft necessarily. So I'll just take the pick, probably eye in a quarterback. uh, And then we go from there with, uh, you know, how we're going to build the team. I'm not committed to it, but at least I have a top 12 quarterback for me because I have these rookie quarterbacks all in the top 12. I'd take them all over Dak on all over Kyler at the current market price. So 103, you're up, JB. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with all that, and I'm taking the 104. There's the Bijan and then the three quarterbacks right after him. So I will, I'll take the, the last remaining quarterback of the 23 class. JB, is this higher than where you've seen? Like, feels like we, we just took these all these rookie picks higher than uh, what a lot of people would in a draft, but doesn't it speak to just kind of how valuable they are if you got them just organically where you don't have to pay a second round startup price to get them and you're just sitting on that like 102, 103, 104. It's like you should probably be valuing that higher than a lot of the assets that other people in your league would value. Like you go to somebody and be like, hey, can I buy your CD lamb? It's like they think it's at least the 102. And you're going, no, not really, man. I'm not giving up one of these quarterbacks for you know CD lamb or AJ Brown. You kind of feel the same way that we're a little higher based on this? Yeah, and I think that's part how all three of us probably play this game on top of 
everything we talk about or listen to daily in the voice chat in the Heisman group. I mean, we, you you hit the nail on the head with the quarterbacks. They really fall off. I mean, Murray and Prescott are right there, but you have so much flexibility with these picks. I mean, right now you don't, you don't have to pick anybody. We still got X amount of months until your rookie draft where you have to pick someone. So you can do so much with the 104, 103, whatever. How much can you really do with Kyler Murray right now? He's hurt. Nobody wants him. Same thing with Dak Prescott. They have a new offensive coordinator coming in. Who knows how that's going to be? There's there's, there's so much flexibility with the pick, and that's why I totally agree with you guys going this way. Eric, for you right now, if you need a quarterback, is it the same for you? If you have a league where your QB2 is Aaron Rodgers or something like that, you're looking for a younger guy. Without fail, are you sending your A.J. Brown for the 104 without even thinking? Or are you still yeah. a little nervous that you're going to get screwed on one of the three quarterbacks takes his shit, and then you and then it sucks? I mean, that ultimately, you're playing chicken with this. One, one or two of these guys is going to end up busted. I mean, just look at the 2021 class. We had five of those guys, and... Now nobody wants Trey Lance. Nobody's like wants Mac Jones. Mac Jones just went for like thirty nine dollars in our startup auction that we just finished. So like none of you know nobody wants Zach Wilson either. So one of one or two of these guys is going to end up busting. I bet everyone in their brother is putting money on Will Levis being one of them at least. But you know ultimately one of Bryce Young or Stroud or Richardson is probably going to bust too. Un- unfortunately. And it's going to just depend on, you know, a whole barrage of factors like injuries, the team. Do they build them around the guy or not? Are they putting weapons around him? Are they kind of going to Justin Fields him a little bit and really stunt Justin Fields growth? Kind of like, you know, same way. So it would be interesting. But, you know, I haven't taken A.J. Brown yet. He hasn't gone yet. I agree with you that I would take the three rookie quarterbacks before Kyler and Dak as well. So, yeah, I think that's actually pretty smart if it does it. I mean, wide receiver is the most easily replaceable position in fantasy. So, yeah, I I think I agree with you. And then going ahead with my pick here, I'm I'm still considering Kyler and Dak, but I think I'm going to go with – I think I'm going to go with C.D. Lamb. I still really like C.D. Lamb's talent. He really came on last year as the target hog and the alpha there for the Cowboys. So give me C.D. Lamb there. Yeah, C.D. uh, definitely defied odds last year and uh, put up ridiculous stats in terms of usage, but then his fantasy points didn't follow because he dealt with the, the DAC injury. So even if his... You know, his yards per route run and his targets per route run and his market share goes down a little bit. If the offense is a little better and Dak is a little better, uh, his volume can go down a little bit and he can still be just as productive. And he still was a top eight receiver last year. So I can't argue with it, taking the wide receiver three. Man, this is tough for me because this team took the end tier of the quarterbacks in the first round. They took Justin Fields. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to take the shots on going Dak Prescott here over Kyler Murray. I think you can literally interchange those two. It just depends on how you want to build your team. I think a lot of people would take Dak over Kyler right now, but easily I could see in three months where it's like, give me Kyler over Dak because he probably has slightly higher upside. But 
I got Fields. I got Dak. I'm very confident on my QB room. Feels a little gross. It feels like this is where you wish you would have traded up six or seven spots and just paid the tax to get Lamar Jackson instead of having to take Dak here. But I'll take Dak at the, what is that, the 205 uh, to pair with Fields. So, JB, you're up. Well, one quick thing I just wanted to bring up, Scott. So, with the Cardinals being the team that's, um, you know, for betting, uh, betting circles right now, they're the team that's got the lowest win odds. I think that's like five right now or something like that. And they're probably, you know, one of the favorites to be the one on one rookie pick in next year's NFL draft. Does that give you pause on Kyler, knowing that? If that does happen, they're probably going to take Caleb Williams and ship Kyler off, even with that contract and all that. It bother me for Kyler's Kyler. Someone will easily take him on, and they'll give him another two-year window. I mean, it's it's not like Deshaun Watson, but he'll get another chance. So that doesn't worry me. It does worry me a little bit that, I mean, listen, the Cardinals, with what you just said, the Cardinals may have incentive to go, Kyler, you know, don't rush back. Don't rush back and maybe re-injure yourself or don't rush back and suck because then people may be more hesitant to trade for you, right? And listen, Kyler's getting a massive contract. Why would he want to rush back and jeopardize his future? So I can see the scenario where Kyler's not ready. Kyler's not ready. Kyler's not ready. The Cardinals are one and nine. Why bring back Kyler? You know, like both sides kind of have a handshake agreement. Maybe we don't play next year. And this is just galaxy brain in it a little bit, but I can see both sides going, Hey, you know what? Let's just sit this one out, you know, and then you get nothing out of them. So if that's a scenario and we'll know even more as we get closer to the season, if that's a legitimate scenario, there's no way right. I'm taking Kyler over Dak, right? Kyler, the yeah. asset doesn't hold that much power to where and I'm a- arrogant enough to say, Oh, I'm just going to hold him for a dead year, you know? And if I'm the Cardinals, I'll I'll help Kyler pack his bags because I'm definitely taking Caleb Williams over him. Yeah, I mean, but it's good for both sides though. Like, right. if they don't it, want him, why would why would he want to go out and play for a team that doesn't want him and is tanking to replace him? He's mm-hmm. getting paid regardless. Right, right. So I, I think it's just okay. if I was picking right now, that's why. And people are like, oh, but go buy Kyler, go buy Kyler. Why would you buy Kyler right now? If he, let's say in June. Is he going to be any more expensive? I don't think so. So I just don't see the point of taking him here. So JB, you're up. Well, I am going to go Kyler Murray because he is a huge, I should say there's a huge drop off to the next quarterback for me. So if anything, it's just taking the last guy in the tier here and whether he's a Cardinal or not going into 24, I mean, maybe maybe he is, and he's thrown to Marvin Harrison Jr. We we'd love we'd love that, huh? But yeah, I mean, he he's gonna play football regardless of where it is, and he's gonna perform for fantasy. So yeah, Kyler. Real quick, JB, is your approach if you draft Kyler, you paired Kyler with Trevor Lawrence here? Uh, are you planning on betting on Kyler playing, or will you be more aggressive in getting a stronger QB three? Like our our latest USFFL, I got. Lamar Jackson and Kyler, but I also made sure I got two other quarterbacks on top. Cause like, there's a chance with Lamar and Kyler that I'm come opening day. I'm, I'm not sure what I have, you know, like, would you, yeah. are, are you going to be more aggressive on a QB three or are you more of like, I'm just going to let it ride. And if he just doesn't play, then whatever, I'll worry about it then. 
I mean, the the cop-out answer here, and I guess with the snake draft nature we're doing, it's kind of just read read the draft and see how it goes, yeah. as opposed to yours being an auction. Okay, I need to go get another guy. I can start bidding now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's it's definitely I'm I'm always very active in startup drafts, at least snakes like this, so I can trade up and down all the time. So I think I would be a little more aggressive than normal, but nothing too crazy. Okay. E, you're up. You got uh, Deshaun Watson on this team where you're about to make this pick. Yeah, so I'm considering, like, I agreed with JB that the quarterback, that was the last one of the tier was Kyler, and now it's kind of into the Daniel Jones to, uh, you know, that range, and you're like, ugh, I don't know if I want to take one of those guys. There's still a couple really good uh, top-tier wide receivers, and we haven't even dipped into the running back pool yet either. Man, I I kind of want to go with one of the running backs, but I think I'm going to pass on it uh, one more time here. I think for this team, I'm going to go ahead and take A.J. Brown. A.J.B., okay. Is that a tier, is that a tier break for you at uh, wide receiver there? Uh, no, I think a lot of these receivers that are, are behind him. They can all put up very similar type numbers, so I'm not, I'm not afraid to... Uh, I think they're probably I think the tier break was really Jefferson and Chase and then the tier break started with C D Lamb and AJ Brown and, and all these other guys. I think they're all kind of similar gonna be putting up similar stat wise. Okay. Well I, I, I personally do have C D and AJ in that tier two. I think they've they're not only proven, but they're gonna be there forever and they pretty much have their QB situation locked down, solidified. I mean, otherwise, we're looking at guys like Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave. I mean, who are their quarterbacks going to be in two years? And I, I, I know there's the trade for Aaron Rodgers and all that, but London, he's got Ritter, Olave, Derek Carr for how long? It, it's it, it's a little, little more questionable after you get past these two. So, personally, these two are in my tier two for wide receivers. Okay. Yeah, I agree. JB, I agree with you. I think if you're picking a receiver there, which people will, uh, you're starting a tier run of a big group of like ones. I'm not that I don't have my preference, but I don't really want to pay this price when I think I can get a very good receiver in the next round that's basically in the same tier for me. The market just might not like him as much. Oh, man. So I'm up. This is a team that has Justin Herbert already. And I'm tempted to go three different picks, which means I should probably just pull the trigger and figure out how I want to build the team. You know what? I'm going to go with uh, exactly what I just said I wasn't going to do, and I'm just going to take a little bit of a leap of faith that I'm buying the best asset on the board. And I am going to take Garrett Wilson because he's getting the, the Rodgers buzz and it hasn't happened yet. It, it feels like he is becoming the consensus wide receiver five. If not, some people are going, man, I kind of like him in that tier with AJ Brown and CD lamb. So I feel like I'm just buying the best asset at the position that everybody in my league is going to be obsessing over. So I'll go Garrett Wilson, but I do understand it's uh, doesn't feel great to pick the first of a lot of good receivers in this tier. So Eric, you were up. Or JB is up, and it looks like JB made his pick on the sheet. Go ahead, JB. Yeah, I'm running to the podium with this, and although he had a very disappointing year two, I am still all aboard the Kyle Pitts hype train, so I will gladly take him with the 
what is this? The 207, 208? It would be like that. So. 209. You pair him with Joe Burrow. That's a pretty, uh, pretty nice start. Elite quarterback and elite tight end. So good pick. For sure. Uh, e, you're up. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. So for this Jalen Hurts team, obviously I'm kind of sucks that AJ Brown went. So that sucks for me. But kind of just looking at the rest of it here, man, I can keep going wide receivers here. Or do I get the first running back? Or do I get another quarterback to pair with Jalen Hurts? I think having Jalen, it makes up for that weak quarterback two spot. So I think I'm going to pass on quarterback for sure. I think I'm going to go with a wide receiver maybe. Or do I want to go running? You know what? I'm going to go running back because I've, I've been tempted to take him the last couple picks. So give me Brees Hall. Even though he's coming off of the ACL, people still love him. Just like... Um, you know, Scott was mentioning with, with Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, oh, he's going to get Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get all these passes and whatnot. Um, people still love Brees Hall. His market value is still really, really good. He's still a top three running back at worst. So, yeah, give me uh, give me Brees Hall. Would you, have, would you have guessed that the four teams in the NFL besides Dallas, Cincinnati, and Philly that have multiple top 20 startup players, the New York Jets? Right. Before last year, you would have laughed at that, right? Before they got Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, and then all of a sudden, here we are, two Jets inside the first two rounds of the startup. So I will follow that up. Uh, I got sniped on Kyle Pitts. This is the team that is drafting with the stack of Josh Allen. I'm tempted to do the Stefan Diggs stack, uh, but I think it's a little early for Stefan Diggs. I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to go and just follow Eric's lead, and I will take Jonathan Taylor. I hate taking running backs. It's painful, but I think you could interchange Brees Hall and Jonathan Taylor. I do prefer Brees Hall over Jonathan Taylor. I think he's basically the same thing. He's just, you know, he's two years younger, doesn't have the mileage, probably going to be on a better team for the next year or two. So I'm willing just to go with Brees there. I think JT's uh, market peak has already happened. So if you have them, you just ride them out. But I'll go Brees Hall and uh, JB. You have Pat Mahomes, and you get to drive back to back. This should be fun. Yeah, with Pat, I'm going more of a win now build right now. So I will stack him with Kelsey at the two twelve, and then the three hundred one. I will come back with Christian McCaffrey. Nice. Is that the is that the win now team you fear right now, Eric McCaffrey, Kelsey Mahomes? Oh, yeah, for sure. If McCaffrey doesn't get hurt in week two. Yeah. Yeah, but then yeah, I just just thought this was a, a good opportunity to kind of double up on kind of older guys, guys that are kind of on the decline of their career, but still uber productive. So, yeah, this 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 team is a little scary, a little scary right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that that's the perfect uh, combo of picks, though. You are probably sitting there praying Kelsey's fell to you. But at the same time, I don't really want to take Kelsey over any of the guys that went before him. So it just feels like he's going to be available for the team at that 212 that has Mahomes unless the tight end premium is too heavy. So, mm-hmm. all right, round three, this is Josh Allen, Jonathan Taylor. Man, again, the temptation to take Stefan Diggs, but I really just don't want to take a 29-year-old receiver this high in a startup when there's younger guys that have been almost as good available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go out on another limb. 
And I am going to actually go with the 105 rookie pick. And part of that is I think that, A, I'm going to have the flexibility to just move around the board if I want. Not that any of the top three are going to trade their picks away if they're not going to take quarterbacks. I'm guessing they're all going quarterback, so I'm not going to be able to take one. But I don't think it's shocking to say JSN is a top seven or eight receiver. I think a lot of people would prefer him over what's on the board right now. Maybe Alave, maybe Waddle would be the two that would be like in contention with him. But I think he's easily going above everybody else. So I think he's the pick 105 and I'm probably taking JSN. So E, you're up. Yeah. So with that pick going, I think I got to, I'm going to start looking towards maybe that quarterback, especially when I have Jalen hurts, you know, obviously he runs the ball quite a bit. He could get hurt here once in a while. So I kind of want to, you know, get a solid second quarterback here. I think I'm going to go ahead and as much as I don't love him, um, he proved me wrong last year and made me eat shit for it. So give me Daniel Jones um, to pair with uh, Jalen Hurts. I get two, you know, probably top 10 rushing quarterbacks. So I think that's a good combo to have Hurts and Daniel Jones. Stop the presses. We are less than a year removed from Eric absolutely (laughs) shitting on Daniel Jones and saying Tyrod Taylor was going to start, and here he is, third round of the startup. Oh, man. I remember remember those days. Oh, yeah. There's there's some Giants guys in in the Discord that are having those pins or uh, those messages pinned, saving them for – receipts and all that so yeah eric i don't think he's ever gonna live that one down it was brutal over the summer july and august every time they got made a bad throw in training camp eric was retweeting it going man this guy can't hit the broad side of the barn how things change he hit somebody in the third row yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right jb you're up we'll uh, we'll rapid fire through this so we can get done and uh be out of here unless it goes three hours so you're up 304 joe burrow kyle pitts and who yeah, Burrow, Pitts, and I'm going to go with my wide receiver. What is this? My personal wide receiver six, and that's Jalen Waddle. Okay, Jalen Waddle is the pick. like it, like it. And then I am up. I will continue with the wide receivers, and I will go just next best receiver, I think, based on the market and his rookie year production tracks. He was the only rookie last year to exceed 13 points per game. And the cohort of guys that have done 13 points per game or more in their rookie season is phenomenal. So not that Alave is going to be as good as all those guys, but at least if you just take his rookie year production for fantasy, it's really, really good. So I'll go Alave here at the, it would be the 305 and pair him with Garrett Wilson and Justin Herbert. So reunite him with his teammate, Eric Watson, AJ Brown, and who? Yeah, I think on this one, I'm going to go ahead and take Saquon Barkley. I just think like there's quite a bit of wide receivers here that are all kind of in the sim- same similar tier here, so I think I can get one in the next round. Uh, but the elite running backs like Barkley's and, and Christian McCaffrey's and all that are coming off the board, so give me uh, Saquon Barkley to pair on this team. All right. Uh, JB, this is your uh, Kyler Murray and Trevor Lawrence team. Yep, so with T-Law and Murray, I'm going the last top-tier tight end here, and that's Mark Andrews. Okay, Mark Andrews. 
I like it. I like the sh- I like the shell building like that, where you get two quarterbacks and a tight end. Those are the positions where you want to capture the advantage when you can. So I kind of like that build. Um, I'm actually going to do the same thing here. I'm going to take TJ Hawkinson and pair him with Lamar Jackson, or excuse me, Justin Fields and Dak Prescott. I think he's in the same tier as Andrews. And I wouldn't have said that a year ago, but I'm willing to bet that he's in that tier. So I think he is the last elite tight end on the board. So I'll go Hawkinson. And then Eric, you are up. You previously took Lamar Jackson and CD Lamb. Are you hoping for Andrews there or just not even factoring it in because you're not sure about Lamar? Um, yeah, I would I probably would have took Andrews there. Just thinking about it. Um I think Lamar's gonna probably just I think things are gonna work out where they he ends up back there for one more year at least. Uh, so, yeah, I probably would have went there. But now I'm looking at do I want to take another or my first elite running back on this team or do I want to go with another receiver? I think I can still get a wide receiver on the way back. Um, and I think the running backs are starting to, at least the elite ones are starting to fall off. So go ahead and give me Kenneth Walker on this team. All right, so Kenneth Walker, and then JB, Justin Jefferson, the 104, and you are up at 310. Yeah, so going to stick with a, kind of a younger build here, building around receivers. So give me Drake London right here. Drake London, all right. You definitely sniped me there. I was going to go Drake London left. You next, I think that's a uh, tier break, and essentially those teams were tracking together. Jefferson, 104, and Drake London versus Chase, 103, and who am I going to take now? Cause I definitely think that was a tear break. So I'm going to continue by taking receivers though. And well, yeah, I'm going to take receivers. So I'm just going to continue to hammer them. Give me Amon Ross, St. Brown. I like JB's build better than mine though. I would be fine switching that one Oh three and one Oh four. If I could swap London and St. Brown, but basically the same build. So Eric, you're up two in a row. This is where you went one Oh one and one Oh two. Yeah, so I probably got Bijan and one of the quarterbacks, either Richardson or Stroud, most likely. So kind of looking at that, keeping with the younger team theme here, I think I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with T Higgins here and pair uh, get another young receiver to pair with this team, uh, to pair with that quarterback and running back that I already have. Get one young receiver, and then I'm probably gonna just go ahead and keep a train rolling there and grab another one too. Um, I think the wide receiver I'd probably take is DK Metcalf here. So give me DK Metcalf. Okay, so Higgins and Metcalf. And then I am up with the Jamar Chase 103, Amon Ross St. Brown. And I'm going to continue to take receivers, and I will take what I think is probably a tear break if you want guys under 26, and I will take Devontae Smith. JB, you are up uh, with your London Jefferson 104 team. Yeah, you guys just went four receivers right in a row that I wanted here, and there's definitely a tear break after Smith to me. So I'm a, I'm actually going to go with the 106 here. Okay. Um, I, th- I think okay. it'll end up being probably Jameer Gibbs, and to me he is the best running back on the board right now. And I, I, I know, I, and it's even scaring me a little bit more and more day by day, but that under 200-pound threshold kind of scares me, but I really think his receiving ability is going to put him into that top eight category of running backs at least, if not higher. So, yeah, give me the 106 right here. 
Okay. Eric, Lamar Jackson, C.D. Lamb, Kenneth Walker, last pick. Yeah, so I think this is a team that I'm going to go for a win-now approach. And I think the best receiver that's left that would be win-now for me uh, will be Tyreek Hill. So give me Tyreek. Okay, so Tyreek, and we haven't really talked about it, but the whole Tyreek's going to retire in three years. I mean, that's probably one of the most overblown things, given that did you really expect him to be a dynasty asset that you're coveting when he's 20 or when he's 31 or 32 years old. I mean, no, but if I can get him for cheap, I'll buy him. Cause I know he's going to smash and have a hundred catches probably all three of those years again. So I'll, if somebody's selling him cheap, I'll buy him and gobble him up. I mean, I think he's going to be more readily available in leagues over the next year, whether it's right now or this season, you know, like, mm-hmm. But the idea is what? 99% of what you're buying him for is what he's going to do in the next two years. So who cares? What rookie pick would you buy him for right now? Do you think you could trade the 107 and get him straight up, 108? We are on the clock in a rookie draft right now, pre-NFL draft, and it went Bijan, two quarterbacks, JSN, the third quarterback, 106 to Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I would much rather so send that pick between, for Tyreek. We have the choice between Jameer Gibbs and Jordan Addison. And we were trying to get Tyreek, and they would not take the deal. So that answers your question. No, they couldn't take it. But I think it's realistic. I don't think it was crazy that you could get that done. Yeah, that's definitely something to think about if you're in that 106 to 108 range. Um, if you're not feeling it right now and you have a win-now team, maybe go send it in for uh, Tyreek Hill, see what you can get. Yep, agree. Oh, so this team is up. It's got Justin Fields, Dak Prescott, TJ Hawkinson, and could use a receiver that could smash. There's two potential picks here that I would make, but since it's only 1.5 premium, I will take Stefan Diggs. I think of Adams, Cup, and Diggs. I like him best. I like Tyreek a little more, but I think Diggs is ahead of the other two, but they're all basically in the same tier. So I'll go Diggs on this team. And then JB, this is your Lawrence, Kyler, Mark Andrews team. Yeah, this is this is a pretty tough spot for me. Um kind of kind of a so so direction here, like you said, kind of shelling it out with the quarterbacks and tight ends, you know, try to fill the middle. Right now, I I think I gotta go with ETN. I'm not not the real Biggest fan of him, but he's young enough to actually have some value here. And worst case scenario, I can sell him to a contender down the road. And JB, knowing what's on the board right now where you just had to pick and probably what's going to be on the board for the next round or so, isn't this why you would give up your second, fourth, and fifth to move up and get that second elite quarterback? Because you kind of already know these picks are a little like, oh, man. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't this just make sense when you do the exercise of why these like fourth, fifth, and sixth rounders just feel like I'm getting a guy, but it just feels so flat, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I got my own personal list going over here, and I got the next 24 guys that are just kind of, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yep. I, I totally, totally get where you're coming from with that. Eric, A.J. Brown, Deshaun Watson, Saquon, where are you going? Yeah, I think on this one, I think I'm going to go ahead and take the 107 rookie pick, and I'll have my choice of if I want to go with Will Levis there, maybe JSN or Gibbs falls to 107 there. So give me 107. All right, 107. I'm going to – oh, man, this one's tough for me. I'm going to break the mold 
and go. Uh, you know what? Screw it. Give me the next. Give me the next receiver in the tier. I'm gonna go with Devonte Adams. This is a win now build. I think can win. It only has one quarterback, but I know I'll be able to get a quarterback coming back. So Devonte Adams, JB, you're up. Yeah, still, I mean, this this is a eh spot, but I'm gonna gonna kind of go reverse stack here and get Jalen Waddle's quarterback and Tua Tagovailoa. Yep, that's nice. who I was debating. That's a good pick. Yeah, I was I was thinking you may have took T Higgins over Waddle, but now that you got Tua to back that up, I love that team. So that's a good pick. Uh, all right, E. One more pick uh, remaining: Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, and Brees Hall. I think I might know where you're going here. Yeah, there's not a wide receiver that I love. Um, so give me the stack here, and I'm gonna go with Dallas Goddard at tight end. Yep, that that, that was the other guy I considered because I didn't have a tight end. Good job getting Goddard and uh, Jalen Hurts with the stack. That's a nice uh, nice mm-hmm. spot to grab that stack. Josh Allen, Jonathan Taylor, and the 105 for this last team. And it is it is absolutely dead at quarterback right now. That's a nice win now team though. It's a nice win now, T. That, that's why I'm just going to go right back to the win now uh, well and go Cooper Cup and just bank that he comes back and produces. And mm-hmm. something kind of feels weird about Cooper Cup that, like, even if something happens early on and the, the Rams struggle, like, he does feel like a guy that could produce for three or four more years, you know? Like, he doesn't feel like he's somebody that's going to fade away super quick. So, Cooper mm-hmm. Cup, but very uninspiring picks for a lot of these in the fourth round. It's like, this is the round where you, you want to get out. Fourth and fifth, if you can get out for value in the startup, I'm doing that. Yep. Uh, JB, last pick. Uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, Christian McCaffrey. Would you have taken Cooper Cup on this team? So I actually have a tier of three guys here for this win okay. now team, and, and Cooper Cup was one of them. So I would gladly take Adams and Eckler at this turn right here, but I think obviously for the purpose of this we're only doing four so i'm gonna go with Devonte adams he went did he oh he did yeah All right. he well, went yep well, so it's eckler it's then yeah there give me eckler there you go okay perfect missed that one man if eckler comes back and hits what he has that's a yeah. that's the team to beat isn't it eckler mccaffrey oh, yeah. kelsey mahomes whoa yeah whoa yeah that's a. Uh... That's dangerous. The you know you might have RB one and two there if they just hit their PPR ceilings like they always do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, good exercise. Uh, we got a time crunch to go on, so let's. Uh, we can post the teams maybe on Twitter and people can vote on which one they like the best or just get a view so they can see it in the the view instead of just listening to it. But uh, we're done. America's favorite game. Let's do uh, the shortest America's favorite game ever, Eric. Yeah, so I just came up with one uh, the other day that I thought would be pretty cool. Um, I saw a bunch of uh, stuff on my Facebook for mine that I'm going to choose. Um, I'm not going to say it yet. But what was your favorite childhood cartoon? I'll, I'll let one of you two guys go first. I got a lot in my head right now, so I got to narrow them down. I, I can nail mine first. Um, mine's pretty easy. I had like every single toy that you could ever imagine. Um, I still have the um, the twenty three season disc. It's like uh, in the bus and everything. But it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was a huge Teenage Mutant Tur- Ninja, yeah, Ninja Mutant Turtles fan. Um, have all the movies. Like I said, I have all the original cartoons on DVD as well. 
man, I I just love that stuff. I was just so hardcore into it. I'll I'll still watch um watch it from here time to time. Um, I know they're coming out with another new movie. I think it's either this year or next year again. So I'll probably go and see that again. Uh, but yeah, I was always always a huge TMNT fan. So I'll go with that one. You stole one of mine. I'm going to give three, and that was one of them. So that's one. The other one was Inspector Gadget. I used to love Inspector Gadget. And then the other one was Pink Panther. If anyone remembers Pink Panther, I used to you love You just showed your Pink age, Panther. yep. Nice. I showed my age. And then the, the, the other one was, um, uh, oh, it just slipped my mind. I might be able to think of it. But anyway, yeah, it shows my age. You can show that I'm uh, almost 40 years old. So there you go. <laughs> I gave it away. JB, you're up. My other one, I'll just mention it real quick, was Speed Racer. I was a Speed Racer fan. Oh, yeah. man. Nice. Yeah, I grew up, I'd, I'd like to think, in the golden age of, like, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network. So I, I got two that come to my head right away, and that's Rocket Power and Hey Arnold. So those those would be yeah. my two for this. Nice. Those are good ones. Interesting nobody said any of them that have become out in the last 20 plus years. So at least we we're all talking about like childhood cartoons. Right, for right. Sure. For sure. So, except for Eric that still watches the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I, I actually am. You literally want, I want to go and watch it now. I, I'll i show you to you on Amazon. There's literally like a, a 23 season disc bus that they, it's in a bus. It was like $150 I paid for this damn thing. Uh, but it's pretty cool. Damn, that's dude! Really cool. All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were just one. they were just rare, so um, so I think they were just that more expensive. But they're probably cheaper than that now. But yeah, no, it's good stuff, man. Uh, JB, what do you want to plug, man? I know you got the Who's Next podcast. Um, anything else you want to plug? No, just obviously Who's Next coming out on Tuesdays weekly now. So that's my solo pod that I do, looking at the guys in college who will be coming up to the NFL within the next couple of years. So kind of putting the Debbie back in destination Debbie for that. Um, other than that, just, just follow every, all of our content creators. Our team is the best bar none. Seriously. I mean, Ray's put together a phenomenal team and adding people seems every, every other month it, it seems like. So yeah, I mean, follow us on all the socials, obviously our, our newsletter, free content for you weekly. No, that's all I got. Good stuff. All right. And well, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL. And you can also follow the show at America's Game Pod. We've been getting a lot of follows on uh, the show accounts. So that's awesome. And uh, me and Scott are going to maybe talk about doing a, uh, a live underdog show here coming up soon. Maybe we'll do that next week. Uh, not sure what we got going on yet. Uh, for our plans but yeah we're going to be going uh to do an underdog draft here soon and then scott what do you got coming up on destination dynasty uh this coming monday so normally i know but i don't so i'm going to come up with something i have like three ideas i just have to figure out which one i want to dive into and uh put together uh, probably one of them could wait till after the nfl draft so i don't want to throw it out there and then have a lot of it change so We'll see. To be determined. Tune in Monday to the feed. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, JB, thanks for joining us, man. Scott, always a pleasure having you um, on this one. And we'll see you guys next week for episode number 40. <laughs>